When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I am Sebastian Teotrio. I'm Alex Hollingsworth. Welcome to the Hidden Curriculum, a podcast where we talk about all the stuff you didn't learn in graduate school. Good week. We are excited to bring you an episode today. Uh, before we get into it, uh, Sebastian, I want to know what is your favorite 1990s television program? Oh my gosh. Nate, okay. I mean, I watch a lot of Friends. So, yes, I am one of those people who watch a lot of Friends. This is like the 90s, right? Not, not the yeah, it's, like that. that's a but solid I guess, choice. I guess that's late 90s. I can't, I mean, I was a kid too in the 90s. So, I was watching a lot of Power Rangers and Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z and all the Dragon Balls. So um, those would be my probably favorite. What about you, Alex? All right. So I, th- I think probably the actual answer is Friends. Like I watched a lot right. of Friends afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like Friends just keeps getting like new, like How I Met Your Mother is basically Friends in like yeah, the 2000s like a new, or something. Yeah, right? of Friends. Right. That's <laughs> pretty classic. And then like, I, I don't know, Seinfeld too. I like Seinfeld. Just yeah. Different from you. Yeah. But yeah. What about you, Will? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say I didn't watch a lot of Friends, but probably Seinfeld for sure. Mm. And and I also watched a lot of How I Met Your Mother, except I have strong feelings about the finale. Oh, Ooh, I mean, a pro right finale or an against? Spoiler alert! Oh yeah, what? if you have watched, if you have, if you not watched the end of How I Met Your Mother, this is a spoiler, but we'll discuss it. <laughs> so, are you a pro or against the finale? Oh, very against. Oh, interesting. I thought it unwound a lot of what they had been doing, and I did not. <gasps> so, wait, like what kind of finale of were you were you wanting? Did you watch it? Yeah, they just like wrote out the mother. She just like died, and then it was all about Robin anyway. I was very disappointed. That's so interesting. I was expecting the finale. I was like, you expected because like, if you if you notice the first episode again, we'll we'll I don't know if we'll keep this or not, but we'll, you still like to have this conversation. <laughs> if you notice the first episode, the first thing they do is they show you Robin, and yeah. then it's very like, oh, this is the this is the center of romantic interest. And to me, it's like, why would you tell me that as a viewer's a story if you're not going to end with that? So I was expecting wow. the whole time for Robin. That's amazing. To come back. And I think the last shot of the first episode was also Robin. Yeah, exactly. It's this actually- is some like in this is like the way that people scrutinized the TV show Lost. Yes. So like you yeah, were watching yeah, How I Met Your Mother, where it was like I was just watching it. Like this is enjoyable. Like yeah, like, yeah. no, who's who's it gonna be? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting the mother to that, but when the mother came in, I was like, how are they gonna make this happen? So that Robin comes back as the center of the story. Oh, interesting. And then and then I saw what happened, and then I was like, oh, interesting. I kind of, I kind of wish that they actually dragged that a little bit more, but I don't mm-hmm. think people would have loved that because people were like, "What are you doing? This is changing everything." And well, next week we'll talk about the <laughs> end of Harry Potter, and the week after we end, of <laughs> so we'll just we'll keep going through all the controversial, controversial uh, finales, the end, the end of the Crown season. Oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. I never watched Game of Thrones. I, I feel like I could guess how the Crown ends. That one at least. I, <laughs> I know too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. All right. All right. Uh, well, all right. our special guest today is Will Wheeler. Will is an environmental economist at the U.S. EPA's National Center for Environmental Economics. He mostly supports efforts and thus conducts research regarding water quality and enforcement issues. And is interested in the quality of EPA's environmental data and helping people understand EPA data sets. Check out Will's awesome tweets, uh, particularly some of his recent stuff, uh, for information about this exact topic. 
he's also interested in the potential for gaming of environmental data. Uh, he's the past president of the Northeastern Agricultural and Resource Economics Association and is on the editorial board of the Review of Environmental Economics and Policy. REAP is a great journal. Uh, Will, it is great to have you here today. How are you doing? Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for the intro. That was great. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing, I think, pretty well. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, just about spring, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, oh, I should probably say something like um, I'm representing myself and not necessarily the official views of EPA, no matter what, depending on what I say. I, I should always right. say that when I speak at a conference That's or anything right. like that. You are not the EPA. We recognize that. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we always like to ask our guests uh, to share a fun fact about themselves with our audience. Uh, what's oh. your fun fact, Will? So I think the funnest fact about me is that I was on a kitchen makeover show, my what? wife and I. What? Yeah. Which one? Let's watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the bad news is that it's on, it was on A&E, a show that lasted for two seasons called Fix This Kitchen. And they had it up on YouTube for a very long time. Okay. And I haven't been able to find it, but oh. I think we have a DVD of it somewhere. So maybe I can get it online before this airs. Or maybe yeah. one of our dozens of listeners will know a secret <laughs> way to do this. Find it. Wait, and I'm um, sorry, how did this work? Like, do they pay for the fixes or? Yeah. <gasps> Really? And you submit like, hey, I would like my kitchen to be fixed. This is my story. So it was an involved process, but there was like a local call and we saw it on a food blogger and you had to take pictures and there's video and writing. And we had an awful, awful kitchen. It was really closed in. Um, not all the burners worked properly. And like only one only worked on high and one only worked on low. So if you want to like sear and then cook, you had to switch mm -hmm. burners. Um, but the thing they really loved was like... Um, there was some countertop that hung over too much and blocked the lip of it, or the lip blocked the drawer. So there's a drawer you couldn't open, which is real. That's really good TV, apparently. That's really <laughs> good TV. That's um, awesome that they pay for it. I always wonder that. That's yeah, so they cool. pay for it. You have to pay, you have to pay taxes on it because it right. as economists might care. Um, yeah. And since it was an IKEA sponsored show. We were on, so I live outside DC and we were outside, we were on the TVs in the Ikea showroom in College Park for years. That is great. They were just showing that episode. It was really you, You're like famous in Ikea. Like, yeah. Well, friends <laughs> of mine, balls. It's great. Friends of mine went, in, oh, I love them. Friends of mine went in there and were like, why is Will on TV? Yay. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I want to be in one of those shows. I want to be in the one that like you just redesign your whole house or they buy your new Oh, house. yeah. Because I feel like that would be awesome. Yeah, a kitchen renovation in five days. Probably less fun, but maybe not. Um, maybe not. Before we dive into today's topic, we'd love to hear about some of your work or work that's going on at the EPA. Is there anything that you'd like to promote? Sure. Um, hopefully, very soon, I'll have a working paper out. And actually, um, I've been working uh, with Jay Shimshak, uh, Sebastian's colleague. What? No way. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're um, going to have him on the podcast tomorrow. No way. Yeah, that's so interesting. Wow. Okay. Maybe he'll promote the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the uh, enforcement office, actually, I guess we'll talk about this a little bit later at EPA, asked me to help them evaluate a program where um, people sub electronically submit data. Um, and we, EPA, ingest a huge amount of data, right? And you want it to be on time and accurate. And they set up an automatic email program where if you didn't submit on time, um, your facility received an email and actually the state regulators who watch over your facility also received an email. Mm. And uh, so they asked me to evaluate it and see if you know, it had an effect. And uh, the answer is yes. Um, okay. It really appears that it did, especially in states. So you know, 
different states and different types of facilities within states um, might report on time better in better or worse ways. Mm-hmm. And in, not surprisingly, the, the states where it generally had higher non-response rates, there was a bigger effect. Mm. Um, but it seems to be pretty successful. So they respond program. more on time. Is that the outcome? Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. But, you know, some places, and especially the, like the largest facilities are really professional operations. They're never, ever late. Mm-hmm. There, there can't be an effect. It, mm. it's, this is so amazing to me because, so I don't know if you're familiar with this IRS sort of experiment on health insurance that happened recently, like Jacob yeah. Golden and I think Itai Lori and, and some other other co-authors, like just sent a letter to a bunch of people that owed uh, IRS penalties be, because they didn't have health insurance in the prior year. And it like not only affected health insurance, it affected mortality. And like here, oh, like wow. you, you, if you would have told me like, could, you, could an email from the EPA do anything? I'm like maybe, but like now I'm like, maybe, maybe these nudges can do a lot. Like this is yeah, kind of amazing. Yeah. Our hypothesis is that um, it was the, the copies to the state regulators also had a, an effect because mm. it doesn't look like it's like somebody's actually, watching, essentially. Them, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I've asked them because then the state regulators don't want to get all these emails. I see. Right. So these are sort of a general deterrent effect. Right. That's, I, that's really interesting because I bet that oh, that has a huge effect. Like, I didn't realize that little feature, but that's kind of right. scary. That's like CCing somebody's boss. Yeah. I was well, gonna say, that's right. Because I feel like if I get an email where they CC like the dean and be like, hey, Sebastian, just doing this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm watching me. <laughs> you know? yeah. so like, I'm going to behave. So. You know, yeah, some of these regulars are getting 100 or in one case, a thousand emails in a month. Wow. But now that you've revealed to this, does this change your behavior? <laughs> New treatment. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. We're looking forward to, uh, to that paper coming out. Maybe by the time this podcast is yeah. released, we'll be able to post a link to the paper. Well, let's dive in a bit into your workflow. Uh, we'd love to know just a bit, and I guess this will sort of push into when we talk about like what, what you actually do here in the next sort of segment at the EPA, but could you just walk us through like what a day-to-day workflow is like for you, particularly when you're trying to work on research? Uh, the spirit of this question is just to sort of share uh, how you get it all done. Uh, we find that people really like this segment because uh, there's a lot of similarity, but there's also a lot of differences. I love this segment. <laughs> and, and I know Alex and I have corresponded a little about it. But so I am, um, my favorite work on productivity is Deep Work by Cal Newport. Yeah. Um, Cal Newport, <laughs> fan big fan of this podcast <laughs> of, of Deep Work. I listen to his podcast. Um, I've read it. I read Deep Work. So I follow a lot of his stuff in, in you know, in separate, a couple of different ways. So at the beginning of every month, I sort of, I, and actually I do this by hand. I map out, you know, the, I map out the next three months because Oh, wow. It's, it's a big quarterly, but really only the next two months have any point. I should probably stop doing three months. It's mm-hmm. pointless. Um, just to see what the big deadlines are. Mm-hmm. I do something similar at the beginning of the week. I kind of map out the week. and I, and I Beginning I being Monday or Sunday? Mon- Monday. Mm-hmm. Monday. Um, two kids at home? At a, yeah, yeah, I mean, just, dentists, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I didn't think you were judging. Um, yeah, and I, do, I find it useful to handwrite that out too and just sort of see and then look at sort of my list of all the stuff I'm working on. Um, and see, you know, what do I have to do? Um, where are there big spaces for like coding or writing? You know, so like, and then sort of block out certain tasks for certain days. And then I do time block each day, each morning. Um, you got to be nimble and flexible. Um, stuff does come up sometimes really quick in the government. So then I also, I pair that um, with, are you guys familiar with Obsidian? Notebooks? I, I've heard, but I'm not, but I, I would love it if you tell it to our listeners what that is. Sure. Yeah. 
Obsidian, and, and there's a, a, competing, a very similar product called Rome Research. They're both um, markdown-based organization systems. Should I define markdown? Yeah, it's like plain text. Very plain text markup language. So if you've ever been in chat and, and typed like asterisk word asterisk and it bolds, that's markdown. Um, so the cool thing about these, well, uh, yeah, the cool thing about these two um, programs is that if you put two things in, uh, put something in double brackets, that creates a link to another file and it will create the file if you need it. Mm -hmm. So I start like, so I have Obsidian um, start, have like a daily page and I have a template, um, like a, so a file with a basic text in it mm -hmm. for every day. Um, Rome does this, I think automatically. Mm -hmm. And then I'm gonna open it up. So I have like a daily note for each created each day. Okay. I write down my priority. I take notes about what I did. Um, I have to do's. Mm. Um, so that's your one, main kind of like project manager organizer mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, every day I'm in, in Obsidian, here's the things I need to do, other things that are important, but that's how you wake up and like, this is what I need to do. Kind of. Exactly. I check off stuff. Um, I have like a file for each project. I have a file for, um, you know, all my to-dos. Mm -hmm. um, at the bottom of my daily template, I have like a reflection where I go over the day. Oh, I love that. Do you actually get to do the reflections? Like, do you feel like you get to you do them? Yeah, it's been really helpful for me um, to write down like, like, like I, like I write down every, every week. I have like a, a file. I started a file for like what I want to do each week. And every week I'm writing, you did, you tried to do too much. You know, like <laughs> and every day I'm writing like, you know, what affected me. Um, and you start, you can look at them. Yeah. You, know, you can go through them all and just sort of get better at planning. I, this sounds awesome to me. And it's kind of similar to something I've been gravitating towards, but I, what's the advantage of Obsidian rather than just like a bunch of markdown files or a Word document or something? What's Obsidian give you? That's a great question. I don't know if regular markdown files you can link to each other. So it's that linking is the I key think feature. So. Okay. Yeah. And in Obsidian, like Obsidian, there's a pane and it reflects your file structure. Um, so you can make changes to the, like in file explorer and it'll be reflected. People really like the graph view. You can make, you can show a network graph of all your files. Um, I don't know what utility that has, but it's <laughs> cool. cool. People like doing it. Um, you can search through them all in Obsidian. Um, and I think Rome too. I, I don't want to yeah. dismiss Rome, but it just. I was going to say, I think, I think that there's, there's two things that are important. It's like, there's a part of that is cool that is the process, which is kind of like what Will is doing of like the priorities and reflection that you could probably use anything to do it. But then there is like the added things of the software, which is this linking thing that I think that that's probably one of the most important things that Rome and Obsidian provide that any of the other note taking or whatever the things that. So I'm a, I'm a Notion user and they okay. just put in this backlink. Uh, feature and I thought I was going to use it a lot more and it turns out I didn't but that's just because like Notion is not really set up to do backlinking um, but you know Rome and Obsidian are so that's really interesting I, lo I love the process are you full like that process is a process that I've heard and I love I, yeah, you're the first person that I hear that you actually follow it even the reflection I feel like that's super cool yeah you know um, actually Cal Newport suggests what does he call it the shutdown complete mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and actually that I thought it was silly the first time I heard it but it it helps me to like, like go at the end of the day and like make, try to look and make sure I've, I've knocked it. I don't have anything like pressing that I forgot to do. I actually, um, so 
this is pandemic only, but it's been a year. So it's kind of normal. I work before my kids get up. Mm. So I write down at the end of the day, the first thing I want to do tomorrow. Mm. So I don't have to mm-hmm. think about it at 630 in the morning. Cause... Right. Right. That's smart. And what time do you, so what's your working hour times then? Like 615, <laughs> 630 in the morning, then like 930 to five. That's cool. That's a, I really appreciate that kind of detail you went into with that. Um, <clears throat> we're going to have pretty soon um, another person come on where we talk a lot about like plain text productivity stuff. Um, so so I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to learn more about this and these tools. I rarely, um, like you can switch the, the obsidian from plain text to like the markdown, the, the mm-hmm. compiled. I'm not sure if that's the right word. I almost never do that. Like mm-hmm. I'm just looking at it in plain text. Mm, interesting. How much is obsidian cost-wise? Free. Oh, interesting. Okay. You can pay. I do pay. I did pay. Okay. okay. And Rome is 150 yeah, a Rome year. Money. I, I think the for me, like I was looking into both of them too. And like the thing with about Rome is like, it's not encrypted and all the data exists on a server somewhere. Whereas within Obsidian, it's my understanding that all the data exists on your computer. And this is just like a software program uh, that like mm-hmm. exists on top of like your, G- your Jupyter notebook. As a government yeah. employee, that was a factor in my decision. Today, um, we want to talk a little bit about with Will about what is uh, an organization like EPA like and what's the kind of work that they do um, and questions from that derivative. So I wanted to start maybe with something uh, different, which is about you. Can you tell us a little bit about your educational path and how you landed a gig into the EPA first? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I um, actually, I went to the graduate school with the intention of getting a terminal degree in policy, uh, just a, ma- a master's degree. Oh, okay. Um, so I was at a policy program at Penn State, um, but it was interdisciplinary. And I, and I did, even as an undergrad, when I was prepping for a policy program, really like economics classes. Um, and I started as a computer science major, so I had a decent mm. math background. Mm. Uh, but then just as I was working through my master's, I was working with a lot of people in the agricultural economics department at Penn State. And they, you know, encouraged me to apply, enjoy working on policy. So my job search did focus on, on a lot of policy organizations. EPA is organized primarily around the statutes that we implement, clean water, clean air, okay. et cetera. Um, there's an office of research and development, which does all research. Um, and I'm in the office of policy, which is in, kind of in between those areas. We, I think we can talk about that later, but I actually started working in the Office of Water, implementing surface water quality regulations. Then I moved to the Office of Research and Development, and I mostly funded grants. And then 12 or so years ago, I moved to the National Center for Environmental Economics, where I've been since then. So I've actually worked there longer than the other jobs combined. And I was actually ready to move on before, but this is like a really good job. Gotcha. So you, you started... Like after your PhD in EPA, essentially the different office, and you just kind of like shifted from office to office within the yes. organization of the EPA. That's right. Got it. Got it. All right. So let's let's start learning a little bit more about the EPA. I'll tell you what I what I know. I watch uh, the movie The Simpsons, um, and in The Simpsons, there's like this environmental disaster that is happening, and one of the things the grandfather says is like "epa epa," and so that's how I got to know about the EPA. We loved that movie when it came out. <laughs> That's awesome. So tell me, Mallory, a little bit more than that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, we have all these offices that implement regulations. The research 
office does just research. The office of policy, and especially NC, is kind of in the middle of that. So we help and uh, review sort of what the program offices are doing. So if they're putting out a regulation with a cost-benefit analysis, you know, we're, we're first of all responsible for sort of like our, our overall guidance on cost-benefit analysis. And we make sure it meets that guidance. Um, and we kind of say that like, okay, let's say we have an issue with how they're doing something. But after you've raised it three times, it's then your responsibility to try to find a way to fix it. So we do, mm. sometimes we differentiate between what we say maybe is analysis that sort of helps an, an agency and then helps a part of the agency. And there's, you know, publishable research. Um, but, you know, the, the number of issues we, we cover is, is huge. It's, it's everything. It's really fascinating. I was just going to say to, to other people who maybe don't uh, like, they're not as jacked up about the EPA. I love the EPA. <laughs> And I often, I'm a health economist mostly, but I study like environmental regulations. I joked that if I could decide between having the concept of health insurance and like the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act, I'd, I'd probably take for public health, the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act. Oh, wow. wow. You, so so you I don't know if that's true. And maybe someone will do a paper that's like, you're an idiot or something. Right, right. right. I mean, that's, that is literally that's my first blush. question. That's a strong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you, can you tell us about like what careers are there in the APA? So there's obviously a space for economists. Is there, is the rest then kind of like lawyers and, and other kind of like type of policymaker? Or what's the, the sense of task that they are? Oh, yeah. Um, I used to know like the exact breakdown. Actually, there's a, a category of it called an environmental protection specialist, which is a, kind of a catch-all, but you know, physical and life scientists, lawyers, yes, environmental modelers, risk assessors, and then, you know, all the people who support sort of a government agency, you know, grants, contracts, and, and all that. Got it. Okay. Let's talk then also about your kind of like day-to-day task. And I think the 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 place where I'm coming from this question is like, you know, there's some people who start grad school and and all they know is that the job that they can get is a job in academia and they don't know how everything else looks like. So maybe kind of you paint us a picture or what is your day-to-day like in a week at the APA? What kind of is the job that you do for for the EPA rather than your research that you can do kind of like on your own? Oh, great question. Thanks. Yeah. You know, I, I generally say in my, in my job now, there's no typical day to day, you know, some of the other offices are a bit more predictable when an administration changes, priorities might change Mm. when sometimes there's a, you know, a new court case that tells us to do something or an executive order or something happens on the Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want an, would an example help with that? Yeah. There's something called the Chesapeake Bay TMDL, which is total, total maximum daily load. Okay. It's often called a pollution diet. And so Chesapeake Bay covers like, has water coming in from like six states. It's taken decades to clean up. We finally um, got something in place several years ago to try to clean it up. And our, the agency's deputy administrator um, was on the Hill talking about it. And you know they had good estimates for how much this would cost. And someone asked them about the benefits. So the deputy administrator said, well, you know, I'll put my people on that. <laughs> so like, seriously, days later, my boss, was telling us we had to do this massive work estimating wow. the benefits of cleaning up Chesapeake Bay. I was tangentially involved, but you know, there was a state of preference survey. There were multiple hedonic studies, wow. uh, recreation studies. So stuff can change on a dime, but it usually ends up being really interesting. Um, I worked on Deepwater Horizon. That obviously was not something anybody had on their calendar to do. Um, I've gotten to work on a few like litigations, which are fascinating. There's a civil penalty. So it's like how much, how much of a fine is appropriate for BP to have paid for that? There's also the natural resource damage assessment. See, so what I'm getting a sense is like the while you're working there, you're gonna have to provide estimates and essentially a lot of information 
for people that are making decisions that are related to things oh, yeah, that the APA yeah. is touching. And so like the, the things that you're going to be working on, it's like, okay, you might be working on, on a particular regulation, piece of information, but then something comes out where you're like, actually, you know, you need to work on this other thing. And you kind of like with a sort of team have to come up with, a, with okay, how are we going to do it? What is the plan? And, and how are we going to oh, do yeah. it? Oh, yeah. So that's neat because it, if you go work there, that means you're going to be doing stuff that policymakers care oh. about and they're, they're going to be using, right? Like directly. Yeah. It's not like when Sebastian and I write a paper and we're like, well, someone please read this <laughs> there. You're like, no, someone's going to look at what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, my colleagues cover just an amazing gamut of, of questions in environmental economics, you know, like how employment is affected by environmental regulations, how blood lead levels affect educational health outcomes. Um, you know, you know, how recreational, how uh, environmental quality affects recreational decisions, you know. Wow, that's critical. Pretty much anything and everything, yeah. Right. How do you think a policymaker then reacts to the information? And I'm thinking of the case in which a policymaker may say, I don't like how this is calculated, comes with some priors about why that's badly calculated or what kind of like the answer of the estimate is. And then you come back with new information and maybe that's not what they were expecting. And so how do they react to that information? I, I mean, it's always possible people aren't going to um, change their priors. We're a science-based agency and, you know, do our best to rely on, on the best science we can. And that, in, that includes economic science. So, you know, in a, in a lot of those cases, we do re- review, um, rely on peer review, okay. um, you know, journal peer review, but also um, science advisory board is a, mm. the science advisory board is a part of EPA where we get sort of, you know, top-notch economists and risk assessors, whatever, to review what we do. And, and um, you know, their, their input per, carries a lot of weight. So that's, that's one thing. Um, mm-hmm. And in, actually, in other cases, we might go as far as the national academies. Oh, wow. Interesting. Take their input. Super cool. That's awesome. So there is, there's a lot of feedback and some sort of refereeing of the process, which I'm oh, yeah. sure makes things even more smoother. we have to add the layers Um, that's great another question that I had to and and maybe this is a a tough one to you it's funny if you want to think about the answer which is what do you feel are some misconceptions that people may have um, that are finishing their PhDs about working in government agencies yeah you know that's that's a great question Um, Given that it was just recently job market season, I think I could answer pretty easily. You know, <laughs> you know, people, I don't know, I don't know what, you know, people coming out think our agencies are like, you know, you hear like everyone's so focused on academia. And if, and if you read certain awful websites, you know, people like me would be termed as failing the market, but we love our jobs. You mm. know, um, mm-hmm. I've had a couple of my newer, newer colleagues call it their dream job. They get to work on super interesting problems and have an impact on policy. Um, We get cool data. We learn about, we learn really in detail what, how policy works. So you can really formulate good questions. And I just, I want to interject, like the people that work at the NCE are awesome too, right? Like in addition (laughs) Mm -hmm. to Will, like the set of people that, that work at these government agencies are not like unconnected to the research environment they're like oh. editors of journals and and like mm-hmm. big shots producing like really like impactful studies right so i think that's yeah and some of my colleagues have moved back to academia mm-hmm. um but and some have gone back and forth but so by real preference if you go back and forth 
there must be something, you know, yeah. that the and, FBA was offering that academia wasn't. And people right? have stayed a lot of a lot of people have stayed in NC for a very long time. Right. So the misconception of like, oh, people don't like their jobs is definitely not true because you see it observably that people are really liking their jobs. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. What about like, uh, I don't know if this is some stereotypes that are true, but I'm thinking of like, oh, a lot of people think it's very bureaucratic and, and it's slow and that kind of stuff. Is that, I guess, partially true or not partially true? It might partially be true. I mean, right. some stuff does move slowly, but when stuff has to go quickly, it moves quickly. I mean, you do have to have a patience for bureaucracy. I, mm-hmm. I think the example, one example, I, I was thinking about, you know, conference registrations. I don't know. I, I get the impression, you know, academics can just sort of charge something and get reimbursed and you can, you cannot right. do that in the government. There's a, you know, you cannot spend the taxpayer's money mm-hmm. without, mm-hmm. without approval. So right. um, there's a lot of stuff like that that sometimes is right. tedious, right. even though there's reasons for it. Right. And what about um, your time for your own research that maybe you're interested in doing? How, how do you, how is that divided either personally or institutionally? It, it varies a lot ac- across people and what they feel like, what they personally want to do in NC, um, probably about half and half. And that varies by week and by, by year and what's going on. Uh, but it's, a, I mean, it's, it's difficult to be solely doing personal research. You do have to sort of be working on stuff that's relevant to EPA's mission. I, and my person, but there's far more questions we're exposed to than you could possibly spend all your time answering. So hmm. that's not really a problem at all. So I, I have a question for like, like, let's say you're a new person, um, like a new graduate or whatever, and you get, you get a job at the NCE or, or some other federal agency <clears throat> or state agency. So I actually was just recently having this conversation with someone that accepted a job at the fed. And we were talking about like, well, what, what are journal rankings like outside of the top five? And like, what do you need to, to be promoted, et cetera? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that there's no way you could give like a uniform answer across the federal government. But I'm just curious, like how, how does one think about like, uh, let's say you were going to get a, you know, a top five or something and get, get some promotion. Uh, when does that occur? Or what more realistically does one need uh, to get that promotion? Is it like two or three top fields, like Jeems or something like that? Or, or is that even factored in? It's probably only very lightly factored in. Um, I mean, if you got a top five, that would be great for you. Um, although, you know, honestly, I'm not sure they want you to aim for that because you know, I keep seeing these hundred page appendices <laughs> in the AER and, you know, I'm, I'm not sure they want you to do that on the, on the tax paradigm, right? But then, you know, top fields for sure will help you, help you make your name. Okay, so is this something like um, in order to get you know, promotion to like senior economist or whatever sort of the next level is uh, showing a, a national presence with publications is, is some type of requirement or can you do that through giving congressional testimony or producing oh. reports and things that are uh, used in policy? That's a great question. Yeah, at EPA, it's any of those things. Um, I think at like USDA Economic Research Service, it's a little bit more like an academic department where you're, they're probably aiming for top fives or AJEs. Um, but I think they're just happy with, they're really happy with publications at NC and like non-predatory journals. Probably. And I've got, I've got a hundred page appendice coming to a gym soon. I, I think hopefully coming to a gym. So, What's a gym? Uh, it's like uh, the, it's like the old top field in environmental. So there's like gym and Jerry. Right. Journal of Economic. Yeah, let's see if let's see if Sebastian can figure out what Jim and Jerry stand for. I love. You're not going to get the M. No, Journal of Environmental 
Man Movement Manuscript? No, Journal of... Oh, there's two E's. <laughs> oh, Journal of Energy and Environment. Oh, crap. <laughs> Alex is saying no. I love it, though, because it's all reasonable, right? It's, it's the Journal of Environmental Economics and Management. That's a G. Oh, management. Uh, yeah. Like the, J, the M and JPAM. Right. Yeah. And then there's Jerry, which is J A E R E. Journal of Energy Re- Resource. Yeah. You're never going to get It's pretty close, though. You got resource. <laughs> yeah, it's Journal of the Association of Environmental and Resource <laughs> Economists. Okay. Jerry, that's so funny. I wish we had some of that for HealthyCon. Like, you know, I don't know. Amy yeah. and Niobe. Gene <laughs> used to be the field journal that Aerie had, but most of the profits were going to the publisher so they spun off their own Wanna, <laughs> to to kind of wrap up i'm now a little bit surprised that you're able to plan your day and your week so well given that what i'm getting a sense from your job is that you're working on your things but then there is like things that just are going to happen that you're going to drop everything you need to do that so that's really interesting oh uh, yeah thanks i think i can plan my days pretty easily and weeks I don't get that much on the week to week, but it does happen. Um, and you just have to be able to roll with it. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons I like keeping, you know, I just I used to have like this paper notebook where I tried to keep track of that stuff and I could never find it mm-hmm. in a certain page. That's why this newer system has helped me. Um, so everything's like, like I can now find, you know, what I was working on easily and mm-hmm. try to do a good job of like, I, I, one thing I try to do in my project pages is like, what is the next thing I have to do? Right. So I don't have to, you know, look through a bunch of code, figure out. I'm going to try my best to summarize all this awesome stuff we talked about here today. So please jump in if I've, if I've misquoted uh, something or if, I, if I'm not doing a good job and, and correct me. Uh, but what the big takeaways I have are is there, there are lots of different places to get a job if you're an economist. And there are lots of places to do really impactful work. And actually, a lot of the stuff that we do uh, when we're sending it off to journals and things may, may never have an impact. But a place where that has a ton of impact is in government agencies. And one of these like government agencies that touches many aspects of our lives that many people might not even be aware of is the Environmental Protection Agency. And that's a spot where you talk with politicians, you talk with you know, policymakers, interested parties, uh, you know, doctors. Uh, all sorts of different people. And you as an economist, if you were to work there, uh, basically try to figure out how, what are the costs and what are the benefits of different regulations to give politicians and people who make the decisions the, the right sort of information uh, about what, which policies we should pick. Um, and so if you go work there, you'll be a bit in some sort of supporting that broader goal, but you'll also be doing your own research uh, as well. And that, uh, you know, when, if you do work at one of these places, you get to work with awesome colleagues who have sort of these um, national presence and international presence, but, but you also get to help directly support uh, improving sort of, I guess, the lives of Americans. I don't want to be like too, like, <laughs> like a bumper sticker or something. Right. But- Every week, we like to ask our guests for our recommendation of the week. This could be anything, a podcast, a command, an app, a song, a quote, a book, a kitchen recipe, anything that improves your life in a small way. Will, what is your recommendation of the week? If you have to renovate your kitchen, Get on a television show. There, oh, I love that one. <laughs> That's great. Can I can I do two serious? Yeah, ones? go ahead. So if you're that a parent, wait, that one wasn't serious. So it's well it's serious, but it's very hard to execute. Um, 
uh, the book No Drama Discipline is the most useful thing I've found for uh, interacting with my preschooler um, okay. and okay. sort of like talking through getting things calmed down. There's actually a specific tip that if you're trying to connect with them, don't stand over them. Like try to get lower, mm, lower right. than your child. It's like lying on the floor when he's on the couch and stuff. That's so um, And the second one, if you're in, I'm sure this is true for other agencies and other topics, but if you're an environmental economist and you're looking for research topics, um, look into what we call the trade press. The, there's places like e and News, Greenwire. There's a, there's a publication called Inside EPA. You can get it through your library. And it talks about, you know, stuff that's going on, like that won't get in like the paper, but you can find sort of ongoing issues where you could probably get a hook for your research or mm-hmm. even, you know, designs like, mm-hmm. like, oh, EPA delegated something to a state. Is, mm-hmm. like, is there a federalism paper there? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I recommend that all the time. That's awesome. This, Alex, what about you? What's your recommendation of the week? So I... I have been recently keeping really similar notebooks as the way that Will was describing. And I have yeah. found them to be like probably the only thing that I've ever continued to use for like <laughs> keeping track of to-do lists. So like, it's pretty simple, but basically I, rather than do a daily notebook, I have been having a just plain text file on my computer. That's yeah. like this week, I want to do these five things. And then on Monday, here are like the main things I'm going to do and on Tuesday. Here's like the main things with yeah. like, a little like I make a checkbox, a checkbox, yeah. checkbox would be better. I like checks. Mixed, but, um, <laughs> it's uh, and that's it. And I then it, it. stuff I don't do, I copy it into the next weeks and I'm actually keeping track of stuff. I've been doing it for like six months now. So. That's excellent. I, I also, awesome. I go in and out of doing that system. I don't know why I leave it, but I, I love that system. Um, that's also really good segue for my recommendation of the week, mm. which is the book uh, make time by Jake <laughs> Knapp and John Zeraski. So these are two people that are like essentially ex-Googlers. Um, and, and the book is, I don't know, the preface of the book is, is fine. But I think what's cool is that they have a couple of cool ideas and frameworks that are very related to like the stuff that we talk about. Like just what are the two or one thing that you really want to get accomplished today and work on that, the idea of reflecting. Um, again, I don't think it's a book that will change your life. But if you like this topic, this is a book that um, applies really well. They kind of set it up as like a cookbook where you can pick a recipe, right? Of like, there's like 50 things and you kind of like pick the things that work for you rather than, um, uh, you know, following all the recommendations because like they know that you're not going to do that. So it's an interesting book. Um, that sounds cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here with us today. If people want to find more about you and your work, where can they uh, go or how should they contact you? You know, Will Wheels is my Twitter handle um, and it's willwheels.rbind.io is my uh, website and wheeler.william is my work email. Awesome. Great. At? Oh, at epa.gov. Sorry. At epa.gov. Thank you. <laughs> it's important sometimes. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. That was really fun. Great. Well, thank that's all we have for you folks today. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Will. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was cool.